Here we are with episode 43 of the Florida Trail Runners podcast, and we are back with another Western States 100 recap. You know, from Badwater, Hard Rock to the Vero Beach Octopus Ultra, it's been a busy week in the trail and ultra scene. So here we are going back a little bit with another Western States recap moment. From episode 33 to now 43, we've got Luis Gomez and Andy Jones Wilkins. So we're back on again. We're going to throw it down how that race went mile by mile, aid station, aid station, and really just put everything in a nice little bow. I mean, Luis crushed it going 26, 28, 58 for his first time out at Western States. And I know for myself, his crew, and all of us here in Florida, we were super excited to watch him, how his race progressed, as well as the other Floridians out there. So as we have it, let's just jump right into it. And here we go. If you haven't been to the Western States course, then it might be challenging to understand just how remote and how yeah. incredible it is. Last year, it was great. This year, it's even better. And I think it's a, it is a really positive thing for our sport as a whole because people want to know about the sport and we want to expose it. Yeah. We want to bring more people in and um, this, is, this is how we do it. So. Yeah, it's a cool way to share the energy, you know, I mean, um, mm -hmm. You know, it's it, this is a this is not an easy race to gain entry into, but it's a super <laughs> wow. probably one of the most difficult races it, in the world to, to, to get into, really and so is. it's important to celebrate every every runner's story and and share that share the energy of, of Western states yeah. because it is such a life changing experience. Luis Gomez to the river. <laughs> Thank you. Make sure he buys you dinner <laughs> and a free trip to Italy. <laughs> the Michigan Bluff Love. Not in Florida anymore, man. No, man. This is nothing like those overpasses. <laughs> nothing like those overpasses. Those Florida overpasses. Over <laughs> 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 you're, getting, you're getting your feet dialed in. Oh, yeah. These guys are full pros here. Look, you know. she's even making it pretty. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Which we don't have that much time. <laughs> yeah. I've never met you before, but that's a tough sell. <laughs> pretty is not the word that like pops oh in your mind. Like, didn't I talk to you about masturbation? Oh, for God's sake. Please don't talk about masturbation around me. Hey, this is a PG oh, yeah. video. PG oh, video. I told you. Why do you not listen? 125,000 sweat glands in every <laughs> this is when we all fall asleep during Tonya's <laughs> Yeah. Uh. <laughs> 
Hey, Joe, how are you? Man, I am good. I am good. Hey, Lewis. Louis. Hey, what's going on? Hey, how you doing, Lewis? You all recovered? I don't know. I think so. I mean, my legs are good and seem recovered, but you running I, again? I, I gave my legs feel good, but I gave a, a 50K a whirlwind uh, on Saturday and maybe I'm not fully recovered yet. <laughs> yeah, the, the, that 50K is called the Candy Ass Lake Baldwin. That, that's a good name for a 50K. Is it a Candy Ass race? Yeah, it's a, it was a Candy Ass um, 50K in, uh, in Orlando. I, I still owe you a beer, right? What was, your, yeah. what, was your finish, what was your finishing time again? My finishing time was 26 hours and 28 minutes. So That's right, yeah. So I missed I, you. I, I missed announcing you by 28 minutes. Right, and I, and I blame myself for not getting that beer, for, uh, for missing that 28 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was a little sub-goal there at the end was uh, when I knew I couldn't hit 24, I was like, well, I got to get in under 26. That should be no problem so I can get announced well, by AJW. That's because you spent too much time in that chair in Michigan Bluff. Oh, that was a great year. <laughs> you were loving it. It was like you were on a Saturday afternoon picnic. Absolutely, man. I had everybody around me. You were there. Uh, what do you call it? I knew my buddy Jeff was having a grand old time or whatever, having a chance to, to chit-chat and hear from you. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was fun. That was super fun. It was. It, it was It was a cool uh, It was a cool moment there in the middle of my race. Yeah, because I was going to bring up that I know you had stained from beer until, you know, the big race day. Did you, did you end up having a beer, you know, with your crew or after the race? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. After the race, um, you know, I was I was I was pretty worn down. I was pretty beat up. Um, and so so, you know, they, they try to make sure to get me hydrated. So isn't this shouldn't we crack a beer to celebrate Lewis finishes finish here? That's what I was going to say. We got to give a toast to Lewis for getting across that finish line. So I, I, have, I, I have a beer that I've, that I've saved for this occasion right here, right here in my hand. Do, do you guys have beers? Yeah, I've got the, uh, the Voodoo Ranger Imperial IPA. Nice. I brought um, my uh, Cigar City Highlight. Ooh. Oh, that's a good one. And I have, from Vermont, Lawson's Finest Liquid Sip of Sunshine IPA. Wow, that one sounds cool. It's all the way across, huh? Indeed we do. Hey, that's that's Trail Runner way. Well, cheers, guys. Hopefully you can pick pick up the sound. Hang on, let's, I'll hold it close. There we go. There we go. Yeah. All right. Cheers, Luis. Congratulations. Thanks, AJW. Been looking forward to this moment. Forget for getting out of Michigan Bluff after you were having all of your needs tended to. <laughs> right? Getting, what do you call it? Getting my feet beautified, all pampered. All I had to do was just ask for food and it just showed up. <laughs> that picture that picture was awesome too. You're just like sitting back in that recliner and you know, people are doing stuff for you. <laughs> yeah, it yeah, was, I was great. Gonna, I was gonna say you had one heck of a crew. Who'd you have for your crew? Oh, I had a pretty big crew um, and uh, a lot of guys who have known me for quite some time. So the crew, so my crew chief was Keith Gauthier. He's been crewing me since he's the first guy that started crewing me back in 2014, back when uh, I didn't know what a crew was or who I should ask. Um, so luckily he's, he's kind of followed all the way along and, and uh, he's on his own journey looking to complete his first hundred uh, out of Havelina this year. So pretty excited for him as well. But uh, he brought his wife as well, Renee, 
Uh, she, both him and uh, and her, have crewed me out at the Spartathlon last year. So, so I know if if need be, those two could could just basically take me down to the finish. So I felt real comfortable with them. And then I had I had two cars out there because the the Western States suggestion for crews was uh, potentially having two cars if you wanted somebody to start at twenty four point four, which was Duncan Canyon, and also try to have somebody at thirty at at uh, Robinson Flat. So um, so the first crew was was Keith Renee, Joanne Fisher, who's uh, who's my girlfriend, who also paced me there the last six miles, um, and Jeff Iosa, who uh, who was my first pacer from Forest Hill. And uh, who himself is uh, an accomplished hundred mile runner and uh, and uh, ultra runner. So that was that was the first car. Um, and as I think I've been called before, I, I've been called a bit of a diva with how big some of my crews have been. <laughs> so I had a second car uh, with three more people in it, and uh, uh, there was Kelly Hewitt, who's been my crew chief in the past. So she was kind of in charge of that car. Um, Jacob Burnett, who's uh, who's a buddy of mine, who uh, I introduced into ultra running and. And uh, he's he's come out and crewed me before, and he wanted to pace me out here, so he paced me basically from uh, Green Gate up to uh, Pointed Rocks. Uh, and Jacob Jacob's buddy, uh, he, Jacob hadn't seen him in years, so he just said his, to his buddy who lives up in Portland, he's like, "Hey, you want to come down, meet me, and just hang out for the weekend and come crew along this race?" <laughs> um, the guy's a hiker, but he's he's not, you know, he didn't really know anything about ultra running, and uh, I was surprised that you know he wanted to come out and and crew after what you know jacob told them it would entail and uh so it was this guy kyle so uh, the first time i ever met him was was technically at at duncan canyon at mile 24.4 when he was out there um helping me out trying to cool me down um so so he he rounded out my crew so i guess before going into race morning you know towing the line because ajw told us a lot about how like towing the line was such a magical moment but how well prepared did you end up being kind of in your training and all that prep? Like, did you have any surprises out there that you just did not see coming? Yeah. I mean, the, the, the whole day was, w- didn't necessarily go according to plan. I was when, uh, at, at the start, um, somehow I managed to leave my bib back in, uh, Auburn back in my hotel. <laughs> oh, right. So, so that's, that's how I started my race is I, I showed up there. I thought everything, you know, I, I was good to go and I was pretty calm that morning of, um, and then probably about, you know, I don't know, 45 minutes to an hour before the race, you know, as I'm there in, uh, um, the Palisades, the, the, the Tahoe Palisades, uh, I, I realized I don't have my bib. And so my crew starts running around, you know, basically trying to figure things out. And uh, Joanne had somehow managed to find and talk to Sherry, who just essentially just took care of everything at that point. Right. She's like, just fine. Get your runner to me. We'll get him a bib. Um, He'll be good to go. Uh, So. So, yeah. So so she gave me a new bib. I was 284 to start. Uh, but then she changed me over to, I think it was 445 <laughs> Renee, uh, Keith's wife posted, a, you know, a thing on Facebook and <laughs> basically as me showing my new bib number. And that was my bib for the day it was 445. Uh, and somehow, you know, Western States is organized well enough to, even though this wasn't, I'm sure planned for, uh, eventually my name updated in the system and people who looked it up could find my name and could find my new bib number and could track me on there. And, and it, 
you know, tracked me across most of the aid stations. Yeah, and dude, that was a total freaking rookie move to leave your bib in your hotel. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, that was uh that you, was a- you, you should get you should get sanctions for that. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of stuff going through your mind as a first timer. So, <laughs> well, I, as far as I know, I think my crew was trying to comfort, uh, comfort me, saying some other people had some different bib numbers. But as far as I could tell, I was the only one that had a new bib number the race morning. Um, coming up to some of the first aid stations, uh, the aid stations were like, "Oh, you're the guy." you're the idiot who forgot his bib in his hotel (laughs) i was like okay so somehow sherry got the word across the aid stations to be looking out okay there's a guy that doesn't have a ur tag on it so they can't scan it with their hand scanner um they have to write it down i I can i guarantee you sherry got the word out to everybody (laughs) (laughs) so so i think that's the piece that really tied the bow at the end was that i saw I saw Sherry after I, I, I got my buckle um, and I went over and, and I gave her a big old hug, uh, thanked her. And, uh, and, and she said she was, she was so happy to see me finish. She said she was tracking me along and, and watching me going through the race. I think part of it is I had to finish it because she, uh, she gave me the opportunity to, to go run the race. So I, I couldn't, I couldn't uh, let her down at that point. Um, so, um, so I came into the race feeling very prepared. Uh, you know, more prepared than I have been for any other race that I've that I've done at any distance. I felt really confident. I I really felt like I could finish, and I really felt like 24 hours was was a good, solid, achievable goal. Then when uh when I finally went off and you know going up the escarpment, uh, I knew you know I I don't consider myself much of a much of a climber. Um, I don't really have much, if any, of a power hike. Uh, but, uh, but going up the escarpment once, you know, once I really had to hike it, uh, as opposed to run it, I, I noticed myself being passed by pretty much everybody around me just continuously, right? Like I started running and then I, once I started hiking, every, absolutely everybody's passing me. And, uh, and so then I'm, I'm trying to run some of the sections up the escarpment that I can, um, so that, you know, I'm not completely getting passed up by the whole field. And then I think we get uh, about one and a half miles in, um, just before there's like this little waterfall. Uh, and there, there's a good right turn. And I kind of look back to see, you know, I'm thinking I'm maybe somewhere in the middle of the pack. I look back and, and there's not a whole lot of people behind me. <laughs> <laughs> I pretty much started at the, at the back of the pack to begin with going up the escarpment. But at the same time, I, I was really trying to stay within myself. Um, right. So, so I, I tried to run the parts that I felt were runnable and I was hiking the other pieces. And if I was getting passed up, as long as, you know, I was able to step to the side and let people go, you know, I let them go. And uh, initially I got to the top of the escarpment uh, and I saw my watch. It was just past an hour 10. And I remember the initial goal was to try to get there somewhere between an hour and an hour five. So I was like, okay, it's, you know, not too far off. Um, I went off and, and enjoyed the view for, for a little bit. Um, there was, there's quite a bit of people and excitement there at the top. Uh, and then, you know, I start through the high country and I really expected to be able to, you know, pick up some speed, pick up the pace through there, you know, with little effort. And I was just really surprised about how I just never really felt good through, through the high country. You know, I, it felt like I was, 
slugging along you know my my pace wasn't uh wasn't where i wanted it to be but i but i tried to ignore it right i i, I never felt like i was behind the cutoffs or, or was going to get um what was going to be swept because uh, i always felt like i was kind of staying steady in the pack and and maybe you know picking up a couple of people uh through through those first few miles uh, but I was really surprised at at how slow I, I went through the through the high country, um, and uh, but I, I wasn't gonna let that change things up. You know, my plan was to go by feel, and uh, and and I thought that worked out pretty well for me overall. So I, I stayed, you know, I, I never I never deviated from that plan. Um, you know, I, I kept staying by feel through the first half of that race. And it was, it just ended up being slower than I had expected it. Uh, but, but finally, once I hit Robinson flat, um, you know, I, I saw my, my crew, uh, for, for the second time, I saw the first crew at Duncan Canyon, uh, which was really great and really uplifting. And then I saw my crew again, a second time at Robinson flat. And I knew I had that downhill section from there. Um, and even out of Robinson flat, before you hit the downhill, there's just a little bit of an up. Um, just leaving Robinson flat, I remember just feeling better. I don't know what it was. You know, we, we had, you know, we, we had a timer. We didn't let me stay at any aid station for longer than five minutes. Um, so I stayed within that timer. Uh, they had refilled everything, cooled me down, put water over me. Um, you know, I had a nice bandana going on and, and I left Robinson flat. And I remember I was just running up the uphill feeling a lot better than I had the, the rest of the morning. So, um, I, I don't know what it was about those first 30 miles, but I just, I never felt good through that section. Yeah. Cause that's interesting. Cause I know like for the first five miles, you've got that first kind of climb, you've got the excitement, kind of the hype from the start. And then, you know, you work your way through red star, you, you know, you make your way through the uh, Duncan Ridge and then finally you hit that Robinson flat aid station, which is probably one of the most you know, one of the most famous aid stations kind of for Western states and just moving through that. I know at Robinson flat, you were what you were getting iced down or something too. Yeah. Yeah. So at, at Duncan Canyon was the first time I saw my crew and, 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 uh, that's when I first got the, the, the ice bandana. Um, you know, they, they dumped some water in my head. They gave me the ice bandana. Uh, they changed my shirt, um, from something cold weather to more hot weather. And then at Robinson Flat, um, I saw my crew um, that had Keith and Joanne in it. Um, Jeff Jeff kind of meets me like early on and, and runs me in with his camera um, so that he basically, you know, can tell me, you know, exactly where my crew is at. Uh, you know, I go directly to them. They had a chair for me and I, you know, I immediately, I just sat in the chair. They dumped some water on my head. You know, we had a whole like routine um, and we go through the routine. I'm feeling good. Uh, I get back up and I start running out and I guess one thing that I had, so I had taken off my glasses to be able to dump my head, uh, to dump water in my head and I, ha I had forgotten to get in them back. And so I, I took off from Robinson flat and, you know, Jeff takes off and, and he's like filming me through the first part of the aid station. And then I guess the crew came over and told him like he forgot his glasses <laughs> Jeff asks, you know, one of the aid station volunteers, you know, am, am I allowed to like go out and give him his glasses? And uh, I think he got given the okay. 
So he tried to run after me, but apparently I was running fast enough to where he never saw me. And once he started hitting the downhill, um, he knew I was going to take off. So he was like, there's, there's no way I'm going to be able to catch up to him. So I was, I was feeling good enough to, to be moving through that section pretty, pretty well. And um, it was it was just kind of being uplifting at that moment in time, being 30 miles in, you know, I knew the rest of the course. So I, in my head, I had the, the unknown section of the race was done. So, so leaving Robinson flat, I think that gave me a lot of energy too. Was like, okay, I know what the rest of this is. I know how to run it. I've run it before. Um, I can do it again and, and, and I can, and, uh, and, and I can do it well. So, Hey, Luis, I gotta, I I'm, I'm looking at your splits right now. If, if you don't mind me jumping in, Yep. you, um, I mean, you ran, you ran a really, really, as I told you at Michigan bluff, a really steady, smart race. But there's an interesting point, as, as most everybody knows about Western states, there's a lot of downhill on it. And in dust, at Dusty Corners, which is mile 38, um, you were in 232nd place. By last chance, which is 43.3, so 5.3 miles later, you were in 187th place. You passed, or people dropped, 45 people in five miles. What was that like? It, it, it really was no different at that point than, uh, than, than the first part of the race. Um, I was just trying to stay steady, uh, but I think at that point that the heat really started turning up because I think that was probably, I'm not sure, like, Two, two or three p.m. That's exactly. It's exactly what it was. You left Dusty Corners at two twenty p.m. and arrived at Last Chance at three twenty-four. But I remember from from Robinson Flat all the way pretty much down to Devil's Thumb is is a good, not not to Devil's Thumb, but to Last Chance is a good steady downhill. Um, oh my God! Yeah, it's it's like ten miles of thirteen miles. It's a half marathon of downhill. And and I was still feeling I, and I was feeling good through that section. I, I actually I didn't feel quite as good uh, coming up to Robinson Flat, but I was running within myself. And I, I don't consider myself much of a, a trail runner. I'm more of a road runner. So one of the things that I had really worked on beforehand was just trying to be able to understand how to run within myself on trails and understand what that feels like. Uh, so I thought I did a good job managing that. Once I hit Robinson Flat, um, you know, I, I saw I saw the se- it was the second time I saw my crew. Um, I saw Joanne. I came up and I handed her some flowers. It, <laughs> I don't know what it was about that moment, but it, it just kind of lifted my spirits. And then leaving Robinson Flat was the first time that I actually started feeling pretty good in the race, um, which allowed me to kind of pick up the pace a little bit. Uh, and I was, but I was still kind of. St- staying within myself and, and running steady. And, and I wasn't pushing on the gas just yet. Cause I didn't want to push on the gas until forest Hill. Uh, and I, I was, and I didn't want to blow out my quads too early. Um, so I was afraid of that, that, you know, going too hard on that downhill section, but, um, right. But yeah, so but when, I, we, when we, when we, uh, when we talked on the last podcast, you, we talked a lot about the canyons, right? Last chance to Devil's Thumb, Devil's Thumb to El Dorado, El Dorado to Michigan Bluff. I mean, you ran the, you were conservative in the high country, and then you ran those like textbook. Interestingly enough, you ran 
the downhills or you actually you ran the uphills better than the downhills was that because you were working on conserving your quads or were you just feeling like you're climbing well a little of both so i was definitely conserving my quads and i, I was being very um careful on the downhills uh so so i I knew the feeling and, and, and I was trying not to push on the brakes, but also going quite easy and quite steady. Uh, when I was going on the uphills, I, I never felt comfortable, um, but I've also never blown whatever, you know, I, I've never blown out going on an uphill. So I, I was okay to push the ups. Um, I, I wasn't so worried about, about blowing out my legs um, or, or, or destroying myself too hard. Um, and typically, as you know, once once the ups, you know, once I, I reached some sort of summit and started coming back down, um, within a quarter mile, you know, I would, you know, a, as difficult as the ups would be, I would feel like I recovered, and and could get into a steady pace again. So, right. So the classic the classic climb from El Dorado Creek to Michigan Bluff, three miles, twenty five hundred feet. You know, you did it in just over an hour. You arrive in Michigan Bluff. It's seven, seven fifteen in the evening. It's starting to cool down. Let's talk a little bit about Michigan Bluff because I saw you there. For those of you listening who've never been to Michigan Bluff, it's a it's a small kind of a ghost town, mining town, uh, in, in the middle of the canyon country of of northern California, kind of gold country of California. It's beautiful. Uh, setting and and you're there it's now it's the evening it's starting to cool down there's a lot of people around you're 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 pretty much like right in the mid like almost exactly in the mid pack like that that right. group that group coming through there they're all like the 25 26 hour finishers it's the busiest time at michigan bluff Talk to us about like that that just experience. You'd 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 pretty much finished the worst climbing of the day. You have one more climb going up to Forest Hill, but and and you're like, okay, I'm here. I'm 55 miles into this thing. W what's going through your head at that point? So that point was finally when I I started switching my my race mode. You know, from staying within myself, staying comfortable, trying to not just enjoy the day, but also make sure I was very conservative through the, through the rest of the race um, to then, okay, I, I'm, I'm ready to, to try to start turning it, turning it on. I'm, I'm ready to start going after the, you know, my goals, which, which my first goal was 24 hours. And uh, I remember being in the canyons hitting mile 50. I saw, I almost hit mile 50 at exactly 12 and a half hours. So I'm thinking here, I got to do another 50 miles. I have to negative split another 50 miles but I thought, well, okay, as long as I keep, like, I, I, as long as I conserved as much as I think I did, it's it's still possible. You know, it's it's going to maybe be a hard day and it's going to be a difficult 11 and a half hours. But, you know, I thought, you know, it's it's still possible. Um, you yeah, know, and I, I, I think I think the 24 hour dream was still alive at Michigan Bluff, but it, yeah. you were you were literally right on the bubble. Right. And, and, and that's so, so coming into Michigan Bluff, because that dream was still alive, I think I had a lot of good energy. I had conserved, so I had good energy there. I hadn't, I hadn't been too concerned about the splits. I mean, I knew I was behind from, um, I think the first time I looked at uh, the, the cutoffs that 
were posted on the aid stations uh, was at Red Star Ridge. And, and I was like well over an hour behind or, or 50 minutes or so behind um, what they had listed as 24 hour pace. But, uh, but I was trying to keep that out of my head the whole day and saying, you know, I, I'm just gonna, uh, I'm, I'm going to be conservative and I'm, and I'm going to take whatever the day gives me. Um, but then I was going to force it after that. Um, so I was hoping to try to turn it on a forest hill, but I think it got so close. Plus the heat had already come down. Um, you know, that at Michigan bluff, I decided, well, it, I think it's time to turn it on now after this. Plus there was the whole, I think it was about 20 minutes that I was there in that chair getting taped, my feet taped up. <laughs> after that, I definitely got a little anxious and was like, okay, you know, it, it's, it's time to make some time up. Um, and, and, and well, start pushing it. Know, hit this goal. I know this is a, Joe, this is a Florida specific podcast. You know, that Tanya who was working on Tanya is a Floridian. She lives in St. Pete. And she comes out to Western States and works Michigan Bluff and the finish line every, every year. And so wow. give, give Tanya Olson some credit. She, uh, she's worked magic on Luis's feet. She worked magic on probably three dozen people's feet as in the nine hours I was there at Michigan Bluff. She's one of Florida's finest, I will say that. Um, so then, Lewis, um, you, you, you get to Forest Hill. Then you have the, the, the descent to the river. I, I got I to find out what you thought of the river crossing. You know, it's the middle of the night. It's, there's lights down there. It looks like apocalypse now, practically. You know, <laughs> like what? You're there at one in the morning at the river crossing. Like what's you've you, you've got a pacer now, you know, you're what, what, what like what was that experience like as a first time Western Stater for, for people who haven't done the race? Yeah, that, that was unreal. Right. So so the river crossing is 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 so iconic and, and you see it in in the videos and, and you can picture what it looks like. And I saw it at the, at the training camp, but I didn't actually get to cross the river. So now, you know, you actually have the line across the river and you've got like a good like I don't know eight eight to ten different volunteers who are actually sitting in the river, you know, helping you like telling you exactly where to step to go across. Um, it was it was it was so unreal, right? And uh, I had my pacer Jeff Iosa at that time, and you know th there was the idea that he could have stopped right there at uh, at Lucky Chucky, or I could have taken him an extra two miles. And made him go up the across the river and up the hill to, to Greengate. And I knew I knew which one he would have preferred. Right. I knew he would have wanted to cross that river, even if it meant, you know, getting a little bit more uphill, you know, slow uphill miles there at that point. Oh yeah, because there's nothing like being able to cross the river. <laughs> yeah, that was that 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 was really cool, right? It was something else and and uh um I had no idea how steep it was going to be. So I was asking Jeff, right? Hey, what do you think? You know, how, how deep do you think it's going to be? Uh, of course, Jeff has never seen it. So I, I'm asking, and, I, and I've actually seen it. So I'm asking him as if, uh, as if he's in, every, in, in any better position to be able to answer. And he's like, I think it's going to be probably just knee, knee deep, knee deep, right? <laughs> so maybe less than that. And so I'm stepping in it. And uh, the the guys there, they're saying like, oh, you you you're you're gonna dump down to your head, you know, it's gonna be chest deep. And I was like, really? Um, so I I was a bit worried there that I was gonna get my uh, my shirt wet, and then I was gonna have a slow two mile climb up to Greengate, and and just start getting really cold in that in uh in the cooler night. Um, so I I took the shirt off, put it over my shoulder, 
because they said I couldn't carry anything in my hands. I needed to have, you know, both both hands on the rope. Um, so I just put it over my shoulder, went through, trudged through the water, um, almost fell a couple of times on those rocks. Uh, but it was a lot of fun, right? Prior to that, it, it was a bit, you know, it got dark. Uh, it was it was difficult to really see a whole lot of the trail in front of you. Um, there's the whole sandy, what's that area called? It's like sandy Sand, bottom. Sandy, sandy bottom. Yeah, isn't that terrible? It just it just crushes your whole momentum. Yeah, it 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 it, it was. It, it's it's you just have a difficult time really getting any kind of like good pace going out of there and um and so when you hit the river all of a sudden it's like a little like apocalyptic like people with flashlights uh, just a lot of noise (laughs) coming from here and there and and, and isn't it it takes a long time to get across like it's like i mean it's like 70 yards to get across that thing it's not just like a little you know it takes a while (laughs) it just kept going and you know like if if uh you know, if you're really tired at that point, like, you know, I would imagine that you'd have a difficult time maybe with the ropes. Um, but luckily, uh, I had more of a difficult time with my legs than I did with the with, with my arms and the ropes. So, so yeah, so just kind of trudge your way across and it, it just kept going. And then I I couldn't tell. I, I, I don't know why. I don't know if, like, I know my night vision isn't great, but I couldn't tell which direction it was going. So I literally had to ask the volunteers, wait, am I, am I going over there or or, or – to the left. Oh, like when you when right. you got to the other when you got to the other side, you had to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you basically just follow the rope, right? But like for whatever reason, I'm I'm still questioning which way am I going. <laughs> yeah, how long did it take to get across? Oh, probably a good like five eight minutes. Wow. But uh, right, and it's it's the middle of the night, and it's it's at least up to like is it was it up to your waist or at least up to your quads so most of it was up to my waist and then the deepest parts there was a couple of sections where it ba- basically be chest deep almost almost hitting your head yeah i mean think about that you've run 78 miles and now you're holding on to this rope and in the middle of the night with these people telling you where to step i mean it's just it's pretty incredible actually it, and it was well i mean the, the part that i found most incredible was like i was pretty chilly in that water and i was just imagining there were volunteers who were in the water who I have no idea how long they stayed in the water, but I imagine them like being there like through most of the night, just sitting in the water, holding onto the ropes, happy as can be. Yeah, you know? that's a that's major that's major duty to do that for those guys to do that. That's 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 volunteer first class. And then the most random thing happened. So like so I, I I'm going down. I'm tiptoeing through the rocks. You know, grabbing this, everybody's cheering me on. Everybody's so happy, telling me where to step. And then all of a sudden, I recognized somebody in the water. Um, it was uh, Tammy uh, and Joseph. I, I think I know. I think you know who this is. I, I forget her last name. Um, but it's like Parliament Massey or something like that. Yeah, oh, and Tammy, who she wears all that crazy clothes and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I had met Tammy way back in I don't know twenty. 15 or something like that at uh the skydive 100 uh and i was out there crewing a friend of mine and she was oh she was asking for a pacer in the middle of the night um and so i said well i'm not really doing a whole lot so i'll come out and pace you and i just randomly paced you know she was a stranger at the time and you know we got chit-chatting and talking um and since then i've seen her around at a couple of races but you know we haven't really had much chance to talk um so it was just so random just 
seeing that she was right there in the river. Uh, and, and <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah. And then he like, recognized me and said, hello. Right. And so, Oh, she's, she shouted out my name. That's, that's what like threw me off. I was like, who in the world is shouting my name? <laughs> so yeah, that was cool. So, th- I mean, the river was really like, it was, it was really uplifting. Right. And, and I think one of the aid station guys had said, you know, if, if you're sleepy, just get yourself to the river. Right. He was yeah. like, I've, I've been there before, you know, just get yourself to the river. The, the river will wake you up. Um, and then from there, you know, then, uh, then, then you can try to, you know, kind of reset. All right. So let's talk about the reset then. Cause then you've got that slog, you've got the slog up to green gate. And then, like we talked about on the on the pre-race podcast, you've got 20 miles of pretty runnable stuff. Um, you were still able to run. You still you you passed the you passed you know uh, tw- 18 people between Green Gate and the finish line. How did you feel? I mean, you knew probably that the 24-hour goal. You would have had to run 20 miles in three hours and 10 minutes to get 24. So you probably knew the 24 dream was, was out the window, but you still now had the running you had, it wasn't daylight yet. You were in dark, you had your pacer with you. So like that runnable stuff through the dark, passing a lot of people, what was, you know, what was that? Cause you'd done it in the training camp, but you'd done it in the daytime. I mean, that, that, that part really, it, it can be really interesting for people because you can get, you can get hit by sort of laziness. It's like, oh, I'm just going to walk this or I'm just going to hike for a little while or, you know, did anything like that happen or like late night sleepiness or stuff like that, you know, when it's three in the morning and you're at Auburn Lakes Trails? Yeah, so, so that's, I, I, I lost, um, I, I saw that I lost the 24 hours uh somewhere before rucky chucky right um, so from okay. forest hill uh my plan was to just go out similar to training camp and and just blow through those sections um you know run all the downs and 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 try to climb up uh you know power through the the ups as best as i could um and i i, I definitely didn't remember or didn't uh recall having as many ups as there were from Forest Hill to Rocky Chucky. Yeah. <laughs> In my memory, it was all downhill, right? Um, that that was not the – on race day, every time I saw an up, I was like, I don't remember this. Where did this come from? Um, and uh, then uh, the sleepiness hit me actually not long after we, we left Forest Hill, um, which is a bit upsetting cause, uh, or, or a bit discerning because it was, it was still pretty early. It was only like 8 or 9 p.m., um and uh and i i went off with with my pacer jeff iosa um and the the sleepiness probably hit maybe two or three miles after forest hill and and i started doing this this kind of like zombie walk and then we started running and (laughs) he was uh so so at first he was trying to pace in front of me right to to kind of to 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 show me the pace um and and have me keep up uh but then we noticed uh, as much he was he was kicking up a bunch of um there was a bunch of sand or, or, or dust kicking up uh so so we decided to switch places and have me in front um so that he was eating the dust and and i was basically dust free and 
and I was trying to keep the pace and, and I just wasn't doing a very good job. I, I was just falling asleep. Um, and I didn't know it. He hadn't told me, uh, but he was actually pretty sleepy too. So, he, so he was kind of behind <laughs> me, being kind of quiet and, and, and also, you know, being kind of sleepy. And so, so we were just two sleepy guys trudging along the trail. Um, and then, uh, it wasn't until I took one of my gels. So somewhere we're getting close down the Sandy bottom. Um, I took a gel that had what this two times caffeine in it. Um, I used the human gels. And uh, all of a sudden, I, I started running again. Um, and and I, I had forgotten that I was sleepy and I'd forgotten that I was just kind of doing like in a little zombie walk. Um, and uh, so I, I told Jeff, my pacer, that, hey, as long as I'm awake, let's, let's go, right? I still have plenty of legs. It, it didn't seem like my legs were bothering me. It was just the sleepiness. Um, so, so let's just use this, right? Because if it's really due to the gel, then I don't think it's going to last very long. Uh, so so we, ha- we actually hit some pretty good miles um, down at Sandy Bottom. I mean, it wasn't super fast. It was like maybe an 11, 11 and a half split. Uh, but, but, but we were pushing through um, and then kind of lost the momentum once uh, we got out of the river. I mean, I was wide awake, but going up that, that trudge up to, to Green Gate, um, uh, I wasn't moving very fast. And by the time I got to the top of green gate, uh, the, the sleepiness kind of came back. So, uh, I asked the crew to, Hey, let me, let me just take a five minute nap here. Um, and, and hopefully that's, uh, that's all I need. And, and, and I can pick it back up from here. But at that point the, the nap was okay because I, I, I had figured that the 24 hour goal was out the window. Uh, so, so the next goal was try to get there under 26 to, uh, to, to get announced by AJW coming into the finish. <laughs> so then, so then let's, uh, so then, I mean, after, after Auburn Lakes trails into Corey road, I mean, did you, I got to ask, did you like, did you, did you know, like Scott Jurek was filling bottles at Corey road? Did you even I, notice? I had no idea. Right. So, so going up to Corey road, you know, we at first it took a while to get going from Greengate, yeah. uh, and once once we got going though, all of a sudden I was running again, and I had my crew. My crew gave me a bunch of those two times caffeine gels, and so I kept popping those, um, and then and then I'd use that time with energy to to just you know run as hard as I could. Um, I found a couple of other lights that you know once we would pass them, they would all of a sudden start running behind us or trying to run to catch us. So, so I told my, uh, my pacer, um, Jacob, Hey, you know, I, I don't want to let, you know, these guys think that they can catch us. So we're going to drop the hammer here. Uh, <laughs> nice. Two miles to go to, to, to Corey road. Um, so, so he was like, okay. A- and before we hit the mile, uh, I think we hit like a small downhill. And so he said, Hey, we might as well get going. So, so yeah, so we were, we were pushing the pace and I think, um, ended up with like a, a, a 930 or a 940 mile um, right before it, it got a little bit rocking right before we had to do a couple of like small climbs, but, but just a little bit more technical road getting over to Quarry Road. Uh, so so we, we were able to pass, you know, quite a few people there. Uh, I think Jacob counted it in his hands um, and, and counted up to like 12 groups, which didn't include potentially pacers uh, or, or 12 people. And then we get to Corey Road, and I had to jump in the bathroom immediately. Jacob's, you know, 
uh, over at, at the aid station trying to figure out what they've got. And, uh, and when I come out of the bathroom, um, Jacob's, you know, talking to this guy. Right. And, uh, and the guy's like, okay, well, you know, to get to the finish, you know, you can, you're going to get there between 26 and 27, 27 hours. Um, and by that point I hadn't been doing any math cause I didn't know it. None of my crew knew what the math was to hit 26. Uh, so I hadn't realized that I was, you know, falling so far behind on the 26 hour mark. Um, and, uh, he said, basically, if you want to get there in 20, it just depends how much pain you want to be in. <laughs> <laughs> but basically 26 hours is a 12 minute is a 12 minute, uh, pace. And then he said, 27 hours is, um, three miles an hour. Right. And that's where I was like, okay, I know there's like a couple of like small uphills, um, going to the finish. There's no way I can do a 12 minute pace, uh, with those uphills. And so that was when I was like, okay, I guess, I guess I'm going to fall. I'm going to shoot for under 27. Uh, and, and so we leave from that aid station. Right. And then that's when Jacob, like, after we leave, he's like, did you, did you see Scott Jerry? <laughs> he was so excited right and and what's funny is that jacob doesn't know anybody from the ultra world except maybe scott jerk <laughs> and so he, he tells me the story he, you know he came up and he, he he saw the guy and um and the guy started talking to him like a normal person right like like a normal you know trying to help out what do you need um you know and and trying to give some advice you know here's here's you know what your runner's got to do um, from this point on, here's what it looks like. You know, it's going to be about a mile until you turn. You know, th- make sure you you don't miss that left turn. Um, that's that famous Walmsley turn. The Walmsley turn, yeah. Yeah, and then Jacob like looks at the guy. He's like, "What's your name?" <laughs> and he's, he's like, "Scott." <laughs> and Jacob just yells out, "I know who you are." <laughs> he's like, "I know you." Um, he couldn't oh, remember his awesome. last name. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, he was, he was super, uh, he was super excited, super giddy. And I was so out of it, uh, that, uh, I had no idea. Well, and those guys, I mean, so Hal Kerner, who's a two-time winner, he, he's the captain of that aid station and those guys are pros, right? So Scott was obviously, Scott came this year as kind of a, you know, because he wanted to and he was able to and stuff. But I mean, those guys at Corey Road, it's 10 miles to go, right? Think how long they have to be out there, right? Like they set up their aid station at about four in the afternoon on Saturday. So they're there for like the front guys and they are there all the way until about 930 in the morning on Sunday. And so the, the fact that they're telling you, you know, this is what you're probably on this level pace and this is what you're going to have to do. And you're going to have to make the left turn and do the big climb up to highway 49 and then go across the meadow. And like, it's a really, really good aid station. And I love the fact that, you know, they they've embraced the fact that, you know, there's no glory in working that aid station, but man, they get a lot of runners to the finish and, and they pretty much don't let anyone drop out there. I mean, like, unless they miss the cutoffs, you're not going to be able to drop out at Corey Road. And I can tell you from like all the aid stations that I came across, you know, you know, I might remember this or that, that some people talked about, some people talked about, okay, you know, you're, what do you call it? Get yourself to the river and that's going to help you wake up. Um, 
some folks who were just really like helpful and like, you know, either cleaning me off because I had fallen so many times or, or helping me out with my eyes. Um, but the thing that I, I remember with them was just very much specifically, Scott was there and I had no idea who he was, right? But I, I, but I remembered him talking about, okay, to get to the finish, it's going to be between 26 and 27 hours. And yeah. you know, it's this time, you know, it just depends on how much you want to hurt. And it was, it was like he was coaching me to get to the finish and, and I was too out of it to even recognize who he was, um, but it's still stuck in my head. You know, I can, I can still remember, you know, 12 minute mile, um, our 12 minute mile average is, is going to get you there in 26 and a three miles an hour is going to get you in 27. That just stuck in my head. And, uh, and it, it sort of, it gave me some relief because the difference between 26 and 27, like, you know, if, if I came in at 2601 or at 2659, you know, wasn't, wasn't really that big of a, a deal for me cause well if i if i had seen that you'd cleared roby point at at 25 40 i would have stayed on the mic i was thinking <laughs> i was waiting for you but uh 26 20 so so let me add, let's talk about roby point though so you mm -hmm. i mean so you get your quarry road you get through pointed rocks i i suspect you didn't spend very much time at pointed rocks right you just got out of there yeah no um, i picked up my my crew and uh they just uh got me my new bottles and i was off yeah, you're off. So Roby Point, right? It's a it's a pretty crappy climb. It's now it's daylight again. It got I will say, I mean, you escaped it because you were 26, 28, but it the second day this year got hot quick. Uh, as you probably noticed sitting around, like by by 930 in the morning for like the 28 hour finishers, it was already hot again. So you're doing that climb up to Roby Point. It's daylight again. You can hear that aid station from a ways away. You crest it. You're now on the pavement. Did your crew come down and meet you at Roby Point? Yeah. Yeah. So, so um, two, two, two of my crew members, uh, Jeff and Keith, came down to meet me. Um, the whole climb from uh, No Hands Bridge up to Roby Point is a bit of a blur in my head. Um. We so so I picked up Joanne as a pacer at at Pointed Rocks, and the day before we had actually used that two and a half mile descent as a shakeout run, um, and so we knew exactly what it was. We knew exactly what was coming, and she jumped in front of me and she set the pace, uh, and, and she's a pretty hard ass as far as like pacing goes. So so she was going uh, you know at somewhere between a nine and a nine and a half minute clip. Um, and and we were just rolling. We were we were just jumping over rocks, just moving as quickly as we can. And and my legs were just fine. You know, most of the time I was thinking there. You know, I I, I want to slow down, but I had no good reason to do so. You know, I could still still keep moving at that pace, and and my legs felt fine doing so. Um, and I knew that that was the last you know uh, good descent. Uh, so hey, why why not just leave it all out there? Right. Uh, but but when we got to when we got to uh, No Hands Bridge, something something just happened, and I still can't explain it now. But I just lost like all all of my energy, um, or, or or like a lot of my upper body strength. Like my my upper body started slumping over, um, and and we started like almost crawling as far as the you know the moving goes. So. She she tells the story of I was I was trying to push and I was trying to run, and, and a lot of this I can't I can't actually remember, 
Um, but apparently my, my run was significantly slower than like her slow walk. Like she was having a difficult <laughs> time just walking, you know, your legs were moving, but you felt like you weren't going anywhere. Yeah. And, and what was crazy is that it just, it, that happened just immediately after doing like, you know, you know, nine and a half on, on the descent. Right. So, so, so my Strava shows that, you know, I was, I was blazing down that two and a half and, and we didn't stop for, for anything. Um, I think that a couple of the runners there didn't seem all too happy because because we were just coming up on them pretty quickly, um, and then uh, and it's it's kind of a narrow path, right? Getting down to No Hands Bridge, so it was, it was tough kind of jumping around some folks, but uh, but once we hit the bottom, I guess a lot of them passed me back up because I was just kind of dragging, um, trying to get up to Roby Point. Uh, so that that's where. I really felt from from the training run that you know this section was going to kind of be like my section. I was going to be so happy, so inspired, so emotional, so like it's a six year journey. You know, I really thought that that whole thing, which is going to carry me, you know, pretty much lift me off my legs and and carry me to the finish. Um, and and I started feeling some of that before I hit Quarry Road. You know, I started getting kind of uh, emotional and 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 teary eyed before, but I. You know, I forced myself to, to not think about the finish because, you know, there's still a lot, a lot of race to go at that point. Um, and then once uh, once we hit No Hands Bridge, I just like I kind of fell apart. Um, <laughs> I, I don't I don't remember a whole lot of it. I've never been to the point to where, you know, I, I couldn't I, I'd have a difficult time just holding my my body up. But but I kept having to try to force myself um back up to run upright uh or just to stand upright and so yeah i was i was pushing with whatever i had but i don't know there was that there was a lot there um i think right. i think so my then, legs so were fine. When, the, when the crew when you got when you got to your crew at at roby and you've got that one more paved climb and it's pretty long actually especially that late in the race and then you know did were you were did you have your act together enough to get up that climb okay just to sort of walk up it and because then you get to mile 99 and then you pretty much know it's all downhill at that point yeah so so up the dirt road i i knew i was going to have a difficult time but once we hit roby point i figured i'd be okay because you know i consider myself more of a road runner and yeah it's it's a good climb and, and you're going to keep climbing up the road but it's it's road so i figured you know this this is more of my territory i'd be okay um so jeff and keith came over and met me the other crew members were afraid that they've known me in the past. And, and a lot of times, you know, I put everything I've got left and, and I'll run as fast as I can to the finish. And I usually have a pretty good finish. Um, but this time around, I, I, I had nothing. I, I, my legs, my legs could move, but my body couldn't move them. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so, you know, Jeff, Jeff got a bunch of that stuff on video. He was out there recording and I was really trying to put up a smile, you know, and say something, but, but I, there wasn't a whole lot that I could muster up. So, so yeah, so we were pushing and, and I think it helped immensely having, having my crew there, having Joanne, Keith and Jeff, you know, kind of take me in. Um, I think they were telling me all kinds of stories about, you know, people they've seen, you know, things around the corner, uh, how excited everybody was. But, but again, I, I was having a hard time focusing really on, on a whole lot. And I've, I've never finished a race like that before. Right. I've, I've blown out my legs multiple times, you know, I've, I've run too hard. Uh, but this time it was, it was more like my, my energy was completely drained or, or my body was completely spent. 
Um, and so, so yeah, but, but once we, we started like, you know, the slight descent, um, that kind of takes you all the way around to the track. Um, I, I had recognized that and, and I tried to push across that. And again, it was just, it was really difficult to get, um, to, to, to get my body to be able to, to move my legs. My legs would move just fine, but my body wasn't going with it. Yeah. The track is such a huge thing. Like that's one of the things that I really wanted to know about was like coming into the track and like the moments you finally change that massive terrain onto a, a freaking track. Right. Like, Holy shit. You're almost done. Like this is, this is it. Like the final couple meters and you're done. Like, yeah, how, how did that feel? Like, how what was going on? I mean, I, I've been emotion leading, emotional thinking about that just leading up to the race. I, I, you know, and I've had lots of races where coming up to the finish, you know, was was just, you know, once you can feel, once you know you're going to finish, once you can see it, once you can hear it, um, it's just all of these emotions, all of these feelings come bubbling up and just kind of um, negate, you know, all the other pain that's going on. Um, this time around, it was, it was different. There was, there was no, it, it wasn't that it was painful. I mean, you know, part of my feet were painful from getting blistered up and, and all that. But, uh, uh, but I remember just moving and getting to the track and, and wanting to finish. And I was just trying to like, I, I knew Jeff is on the side filming this, right? So eventually this is all going to come out and, and, and show up on, on some, some sort of form or video, um, that Jeff took and, and I just couldn't muster up the any kind of emotion other than just i don't know um lack of energy or or or, or lack of of uh of of emotion um you know i i was just trying to get through it and uh we get to the track and there was a group in front of us um that i think my crew had said uh had like their own kind of film crew it looked like like maybe goo energy labs was 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 filming um somebody just in front of me and we're, we're going and I'm running and I'm coming up right behind them. And, you know, they had uh, a good amount of crew members who were coming around the track. So I was trying to cut. And my first instinct was to cut on the inside. But uh, I saw that, what was it? Um, you know, they're, they're, the, the runner and their crew were, were all the way on the inside lane. And I was really scared of running inside of the inside lane, thinking that's technically course cutting and right at the, <laughs> right at the finish track uh they're being uh disqualified for course cutting so after running behind them for a little bit then uh decided to run around um and you know at that point i had my entire crew with me uh including the wild card kyle who had just met that day or i guess technically the day before um and and they were all coming in with me they were super excited i was trying to muster up whatever whatever kind of expression i could but i don't think there was much there um and uh just coming across the finish line i mean it was i I thought it was going to be the biggest joy and it was probably maybe an hour later but at that moment um i I just i I didn't have a whole lot in me uh so so yeah so it was it was a bit of a bittersweet finish but at the same time you know once 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 we had a chance to kind of cool down you know get get me to you know under the shade and 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 get something inside of me you know that's that's when everything finally started hitting and and everything started coming together and and you know it, it finally kind of it, it took some time for for me to realize that i had 
finished and come across this Western States goal. Um, so it, it, it didn't happen the way that I expected whatsoever. Uh, but I don't think I'd have it any other way, though. So we're, we're re- recording this podcast almost three weeks after the race. And uh, I think anybody listening to this knows that I'm, I'm a, a unabashed uh, Western States aficionado. And, and I'm, I'm a true believer in the fact that the race, there's something magical about it. When you when you look back on it now, um, you know you you spent a lot of years trying to get into the race. You have now won the race. You have that belt buckle that nobody can ever take away from you. Did you? Two part question. Did you? get a sense of that, what I call the Western States magic. And if you did, which I think you did, how would you characterize it? How would I characterize? So, I mean, I, I definitely felt it after I had a chance to start feeling things again, (laughs) right? It felt like finishing was, was was quite the task and and i had some goals and you know i maybe i didn't hit my a goal but i hit my b goal um and i finished with such a big group of friends and um and they were such a huge help and and they they i mean they they had the western states hangover just just like i did based off of you know how how much effort it was on their end and, and how much of an emotional roller coaster it was for them as well uh but but i remember being there um, for that golden hour, right? So, so we finished. You know, we we got we got me um, better. You know, we we carried me over over to the to the medical tent back to where Tanya was. And of course, after Tanya finished her aid station over there at fifty five, um, you know, she's she's now here like twelve hours later at at the finish line in uh, in the medical tent and taking care of people there. So I don't know how much sleep, if any, she got. Uh, <laughs> Probably but, none. <laughs> yeah. But but I remember sitting there in that chair and just thinking like there's 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 nowhere else in the world that I, I wanted to be than than in that chair. Right? That there was something about just sitting there in the chair having finished, you know, not feeling like I had the energy to, to move or walk around uh but but thinking that there was there was no better feeling or, or no better position that I could be in um, than in that chair with with other people still out there and still finishing. Um, so we went back to the hotel, took a shower, came back for for that final hour, uh, and and just watching people there, you know, a, a couple hours later, finishing their race, um, coming across that track, uh, it was. It was, it was a, it was a lot more emotional watching them finish than it was finishing myself. Um, yeah, that's awesome. I, I, uh, I, um, I sat for for much of the golden hour, stood with Casey Licktie, who I've been friends with for a long time, and she was able to finish her eighth race this year, eighth Western States, and she really wants to get ten. And at one point. And maybe the clock said like 29, 25 or something. We looked at each other and just said, 
there is no place on earth I'd rather be than this place right now. Like that's really, really powerful to, to, to have any experience like that in your life where it's like, you know what, I'm going to, and I'm going to sit here for the next 35 minutes in a hundred degree weather on this AstroTurf track and like pour my guts out for these people who are pouring into this track with 15 people with matching t-shirts who've stayed up all night for two days to support their runner because they waited eight years to get into this race. I mean, how many, you, you can't add up the amount of, of like matches, emotional matches that burns and, for my money, like there's no place, no place that you can see like the triumphant nature of human existence more than on the Placer High School track on the fourth Saturday in June. And you lived it, Lewis. You lived it, you know, from freaking Florida, for God's sake. <laughs> and, and I mean, that's just and all three Floridians finished. Uh, and that's that's just testimony to what this race means, what it means to people, what it means as a you know people are going to be naysayers. They're all, they're always going to be negative energy out there, but the positive energy I saw at this year's race, oh my gosh, it was just incredible. Wouldn't trade it for the world. Yeah, it was it was it was something else, right? And and reflecting back on it now and trying to think about it some more, it, it's just it's it's really mind-blowing and, and and fascinating to think about how much how how much i felt like there was no other place in the world that i wanted to be even despite you know in how much pain i was in and you know how difficult it was to walk and how depleted i knew i was and despite all of that like th there was there was nowhere else and nothing else that i wanted to be doing than than just being you know around that track being in that medical tent and and uh and having just finished and you know when you finish they give you this this small little medal right that says uh, western states and uh and that in itself you know i was just kind of clinging on to that um it, it was just a, a moment of pride of of joy um uh, and yeah but then then a few hours later you get the buckle <laughs> where, and I was where blown have, away, right? have you gotten have you gotten a belt for your buckle yet Oh yeah, yeah. I, I, I've, I've got my belt, and and that's that's the first thing that happened is I took my keys one hundred buckle off. I put on my uh, my Western States buckle. It hasn't come off yet. Uh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> and, uh, anytime I wear brown shoes, you know that that buckle and that brown belt's coming out. How did it feel just holding that buckle, actually getting that buckle and having it in your hands for the first time? It finished it. Right. <laughs> it, it, it finished the race. It finished the experience. Um, you know, we, we were sitting underneath that tent and, and, you know, seeing these, these incredible people, you know, like, uh, you know, getting, uh, getting their awards. Uh, you know, you're just surrounded by hundreds of people around you who have gone through this ordeal, who have either run it or crewed it, um, or, or, or cheered people on. Right. It, it's just such a, a powerful group of people. Um, with with so much energy and so much effort, so so much training, so much hard work, so much love and compassion going on underneath that tent, and and then you walk up and you get your own buckle and they've engraved your name on it. 
Wow, um, I didn't know that. Yeah. So I've got my name. I've got the year on the back of it. Uh, and and so you just get it. And I just, I remember I wanted to hug like every single person up, you know, that, that I saw. Um, uh, I, I forget who I ended up hugging, but I, I, I don't think I recognized everybody. Uh, and then, oh, and then I got to see, so, so I get the buckle and it was just, again, it just kind of, it, it, it solidified and it finished my journey. But right before, right before I was completely done, I got a chance to see Sherry. So, so Sherry is one of the race organizers or, or one of the race volunteers who's, who's very much involved. I don't know exactly what, what her position is. Um, but, but I had seen her there, you know, managing a lot of the training camp. Right. Um, so I'll jump in. Sherry, Sherry and her husband, Louie, same name as you, are basically this. They, they basically construct the starting line and they construct the finish line, you know, the big uh, the big structures. And they pretty much pack up the the uh, warehouse when it's done. I mean, they are they are absolutely key to the race. And. So I'm so glad you got to meet Sherry because she is like as behind the scenes as they get, but she's incredible. If if there wasn't, if there was no Sherry and Lewis, there would be no race. Like they're incredible. I mean, if if there was no Sherry, it's possible that there would have been no finish for me. So, well, you know what? You ran a great Western States and, you know, coming from Florida, you know, only seeing the trail a few times. I mean, you, you had an incredible race and you should be proud of yourself and you should wear that buckle every chance you get. Oh, absolutely. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying right now, you know, not having a, a major goal, right. You know, I, I went out and, and, and ran the 50 K, but at the end of the day, I, I told myself, you know, if, if something didn't feel right, if it felt off, then I was okay, you know, stopping, stopping the run and, and not trying to complete the, the, the 50 K. So right now there's, there's no bigger major goal. And, and I, I think that's okay. I'm, I'm kind of enjoying it. Um, and, and you know what, it's, it's, it's okay actually and I, I say this to a lot of runners, it's okay for there to be nothing next. Like, it's okay to let, I mean, if I'm you, I want my Western states to soak, I, I want it to soak in. Like, I want to sit in the hot tub of Western states for a long time and let it soak in and let it become part of who I am and who I want to be and who my, the best version of myself. So there doesn't always have to be a next sometimes it's just what's now i have a whole lot of time on saturdays nowadays which is weird <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no I, I i don't know what's next and uh i'm 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 kind of i'm enjoying that i'm sure something will come up uh you know I, i'm sure those uh competitive and and uh and and running juices will will come back out but right now i'm just i'm just kind of enjoying being able to go out for a easy easy run and and, and not really having a, a a big purpose or goal behind it but yeah guys this was dope it was awesome i i appreciate you um putting this together appreciate all you do for our running community and uh, appreciate you introducing me to ajw that was i got a lot of really good information and 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 you know good uh good advice going into the race and and yeah mile 55 i mean that that was an experience uh i won't soon forget that was that was one of the highlights of uh of my race it's not the highlight that was that, that was fun michigan bluffs always fun <laughs> and uh and tanya talking about maceration <laughs> yeah all right guys this was fun i'm gonna sign off i gotta eat dinner
All right, guys. Talk to you next time. Heck yeah. Sounds good. Bye. Bye. And there we have it for Lewis and Andy Jones Wilkins. You know, that comeback recap, that was amazing. And of course, you know, you got to give a shout out to all of the volunteers who put time and time again, countless hours into coming out to Western States, you know, from, you know, just across the country, you know, volunteers just pile into a race like this. So also thank you to all the organizers, the sleepless behind the scenes people who put this race on that no one ever even hears about, you know, the board of directors. And again, you know, the thousands of volunteers that make the Western States Endurance Run truly a one-of-a-kind race here in the United States and an awesome ultra marathon for the world. It's truly a magical event. And I'm, I'm just glad that I got a chat and hear about it from, yo, know, Lindsey Riley, Lewis, AJW. So with that, man, heck yeah. In that, you know, what's coming up next? We've got the Vero Beach Octopus Ultra. We're chatting with some runners from that race. They're going to give us that recap. You know, Phil Patterson's hopping on. He's got a podcast called the Mile You're In Podcast. Vero Beach was a huge redemption race for him, so I'm excited to hear how that race went down. And then we've got the Badwater. We've got three episodes coming up with the Florida Nine. So it'll be three episodes with three Floridians each chatting about how that legendary race went down, including Bob Becker. So I'm excited to hear from him and everyone else who ran out there at Badwater this year. And hey, yeah, until then, until next time, happy trails. Happy trails.